12. Caleb? Say the question one more time. How many FCS teams had a better Sagarin rating than Akron in 2022? Uh, let's go with 24. It is 25. I'm good at making very approximate guesses for no reason. That was funnier than what Caleb said. That was 25. Really, 25. Very good. Yeah, Delaware. Austin P, Chattanooga, Southeast Missouri State, Missouri State, Youngstown State, Southeast Louisiana, Holy Cross, Southern Illinois, Northern Iowa, Weber State, the usuals, incarnate word, all better. Only slightly worse than Akron were Yale and Princeton and Jackson State. And who? You say Jackson State? Yeah. Hmm. Jackson State was at 156. Akron 150. Um, also coming in, our friends Illinois State at 158. So if Illinois State played in the MAC, they would not be a noticeable fall off from the bottom teams. Also, UMass was 188th. They wouldn't have even made the FCS playoffs. MAC football pod. Caleb, Justin, guys, spring is here. It's March, which means football's kind of happening again. Right? Spring? You know, that counts. We can't watch any of it, but it counts. Reason to be excited. Guys are running around in their underwear trying to get money for it. The USFL had its draft. The XFL is going on right now. Do we care? Do we care that football is happening and kind of happening and not happening? I like football, but sometimes I need a break. I think I'm more excited about the spring football league though than the uh, the XFL is the one playing right now, right? Oh yeah, you seem really excited. The XFL is too soon, but USFL I might like actually watch because I'll finally be like, I think I'm ready to watch some football. I know. But right now I'm like, we just got done watching football. It is really hard to get into football like right after, like the Super Bowl, the week after the Super Bowl. Right. We're happy for all for everybody that's out there. A lot of a lot of Mac players out there. Yeah. But we all know the deal. Quentin Dormity, baby. No. We're not <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I was not expecting was not expecting this. No. <laughs> Caleb. You know what? If you're if this is gonna be like the first time you speak and that's what you have to say, you need to explain yourself. Why did you mention Quentin Dormity just now? <laughs> Uh, there, there is a reason. Because I love quarterbacks who used to play for Central Michigan. No, no um, you don't. Surely I do. Damn the fever. Things of that nature. Cooper Rush. Um, so Quentin Dormady must have disliked his team so much that he was giving away the playbook to other teams. What level of spite does it take and how wronged do you have to feel? To be giving away the playbook to the other teams that you were not on. Guys, any theses, any ideas of what he how he was wrong? Uh, well, I, the team, the literal thing that caused it was that they signed Paxton Lynch, right? Like randomly, like Dormady was supposed to be the starter. They signed Paxton Lynch, and then like eight days later, named him the starter. <laughs> I do believe that was the uh, precursor to this uh, unfortunate series of events. But um, and to be fair, I'd be pretty pissed off if um, like Paxton Lynch took my job. I think Quentin Dormady uh, needs to realize that he is uh, Quentin Dormady, and uh, he's probably going to get passed up. When Paxton Lynch walks through that door, he was you have no up. choice but to. Put him under center. It's a man of massive potential. Uh, did did it ever get revealed exactly how Dormady gave the plays to the other team? Did he just like call someone up and was like, "Hey, you want these plays?" Or was there like more covert ops involved? 
Yeah, he used. Uh, I'm sure he used like Signal and like went through the private channels and said like it's dark, it's like deep throat type stuff. Like you're gonna want to know what started the two banana means. It's natural play for us. Check this out. I have no I'm trying to find something no, specifically no about how he did it. the mechanism here. Someone should ask Jim McElwain that at Media Day. I really hope it's just as simple as just like, hey, he took a picture and sent it over text, cryptid message, <laughs> just like. Alex, I will eat a shoe if you ask Jim McElwain at Mac Media Day what he thinks about Quentin Dormady sending the plays over to another team. We're like what, like two minutes into this podcast, and you're dropping like two great, two great references. Caleb, this is a plus podcasting out of you. I'm so glad we switched to this monthly shift. That way, we can only get the most out of you on a monthly basis. This is this is good work out of you, man. That's right. I'm a home run hitter. I'm a I'm a Joey Gallo. You're Adam Dunn. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock forty dingers and hit under two hundred. I am, I am good for a little. Who's Ooh, the Chris Davis? Chris Davis. Well, I don't think I'm, okay. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm so bad as to be like laughed at. But you know, sure. In his prime. Oh, that's better. I like that. Yeah, we're talking like. Well, how many did he hit that one year? 2012, 13 area, one of, one of those years. There's a big old lot of dong shots, you know? We got to get back. We got to get back to Max. And we can't keep talking about Chris Davis and home run hitters and Adam Dunn and, and, uh, and, uh, oh, who's another, who's another really good one? Um, he hit 53 in 2013. Okay, God, that's so many. <laughs> he almost got himself a giant contract from Mike Illich. <sighs> Thank God he did not. I know, man. I know he he would have been. Re- he's like a really good option on like your MLB the Show team, but no, not <laughs> glad it didn't work out that way. Not that it would have mattered. He would have blended in right just fine. Like honestly, like this team sucks. We'll take him right now. That's true. G- give me all of your wash superstars Who? in Detroit. Okay. Let's let's play a pop quiz right now. Who plays left field for the Detroit Tigers? Justin, you know because you have Valley. I don't. Malky Cabrera. No. I wish. <laughs> Stop. Dude, is I, is I, he still I, playing baseball? I thought so, but oh, maybe not. Who knows, man? But I think it's a trick question because I don't. Do the Tigers know? I'm only just gonna check fan graphs and see what the projection is and kind of go off that oh kill badu that's kind of good okay he's, he's he's a rule five guy that uh that's panned out because because riley green's gonna play center field riley green's gonna play center and then they have austin meadows and right and oh god damn it dude <laughs> he got no i don't like austin meadows trade him back trade him for a twix bar speaking of getting conned into a contract He's only 27, though. I feel bad for saying that. Yeah, I think he said he had mental health issues, too, so I, re- I retract that. I hope he hits 40 dingers this year. He's going to be so good. Caleb, you you got us into this mess. You you bring us you, – you 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 swing it back into the action. Oh, should we just get back to our regularly scheduled programming of bitching about what night the weeknight games are? Oh, God damn it. Oh, okay, well, shit. You're right. Yeah, we did bring on the Bengals fan here. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, of course, because the schedules came out on the 1st of March. The schedules came out, and uh, God, we loved it, didn't we? We loved it. We loved it so much. We, as in, fill in the blank of your fan base here. The, uh, the, the dozens of us were very vocally distraught. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Like, nobody was happy, which means, like, it was a good negotiation, of course. I guess that's what, uh. You know, 101 of that is, but like, Jesus Christ, like, literally, there was nothing to be happy about for anybody. Maybe there's like some decent schedules per team where it's like, okay, I can kind of see how it's manageable and likable and stuff, and I guess favorable compared to the rest, but not a lot to love if you are one who likes to, I don't know, listen to Mac football podcasts, read Mac football content, go to, I don't know, Mac football games on Saturdays instead of going to like Michigan, Minnesota. 
if you would rather go to Western Ball State, which actually that's 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 actually a really bad example because that's one of the few that's not a, on a Saturday. Give me something that's not on a Saturday. Justin, give me any Mac football game that's not on a Saturday this year. Oh, I don't know, like uh, Central Michigan and Western Michigan. Hey, that's like a, a good minor, one. That's a, a good minor one. game. Yeah, maybe you'd rather go to that instead of Michigan, Indiana, or Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's not one that goes. You get my point. You get my point. If you've seen the schedules, which we'll we'll kind of read off in a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you read my voice yet? It's it's not looking good. Uh, Justin, what are some other games that that stood out to you that are not on the uh, not on the Saturday slate from action fans? Uh, again, I mean the Mac the Mac did a really good job of taking the games that no one wants to go to and putting them on weeknights. Like uh, Bowling Green and Toledo will be played on a weeknight, the second to last week of November, which everybody loves. Uh, that's another game. Um, if you want to get out Halloween weekend oh wait not the weekend the week of halloween you can watch the wagon wheel game which no game with a trophy anyone cares about right um that game will be played on november 1st akron and kent state oh let's see northern illinois and ball state i guess technically a rivalry but not important they'll play on november 7th we're all very excited about that one. Can you feel the excitement in my voice for, for this Mac schedule? Ah, excite. But they did do one thing right. Do you guys know what game they got right? The one conference game that they slotted absolutely perfectly? Toledo, Miami. Ohio and Miami in Athens on Halloween weekend. Not Halloween Day, though. No, but it's the whole Caleb can attest. Yeah, it's the weekend. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's going to be spooky and litty. And like, so, people are going to want to come back to town. It is a good like, that, TV in a like, big way. Like it, it's been proven that like it works. So absolutely, it like it should be a at least any year where the game is in Athens. Every other year, this game should be on Halloween weekend. Or as whatever weekend they choose to celebrate, I get I get that that gets harder when it's in the middle of the week. I don't know which weekend they pick. I feel <laughs> but like whatever they, the celebration is. I feel like the schools have like would have a have to navigate the the idea of how much do we want to have more fans at the game and then like have that environment versus how much trouble could our kids get in on Halloween weekend? It gets messy, dudes. If you never heard of uh, Halloween in Athens, Google that stuff. You're going to see a lot. Uh, some of the Saturday games. So week four is like the earliest you're going to see some Saturday action. It's Ohio at Bowling Green, Western at Toledo. I'm not going to read all of them like this. Uh, I do want to point out that like that's the first Saturday of action, and it's kind of stinks. Western at Toledo. It's going to be okay, but yeah, a little early. Uh, one of like the games that I always kind of look at when it comes to these schedule releases and is where is NIU Toledo? Because that was like a huge staple. That was like, you know, everybody's seeing this on front street and seeing, you know, how, how well those games played out and how high scoring and how important those were to the West standings, which is what, like, I think they're kind of clinging on to right now. That was like, you know, first Tuesday of, you know, of the season. Right, that was the weeknight primer. That was the one to go to, and like even if like the West Standings didn't totally pan out, the rivalry was like still there between those two schools, and now they're back on like you know some late September, early October stuff, you know playing on a Saturday, probably behind an ESPN ESPN Plus paywall, so not a lot of people are going to be able to see that, even if it's going to be a good game doesn't matter if NIU is not in a good place right now I just think like that's kind of like a missed opportunity the game that it's being replaced with it looks like to me is the Eastern uh Eastern Toledo game because you know Eastern's doing so well right now it's that's it looks like those are the two teams that everyone's looking to to have the best teams or the best years out of the west right is Eastern Toledo those are the two best in the west right now 
Oh, I'd rank them. I, I just want I just want other people to say it. I don't want to be the only one saying it. That's all. But <laughs> that's the one that they're propping up into the weeknight action. That's going to be uh, week 11, the second week. And that's going to be on Wednesday. The only other games that night are going to be Akron, Miami, and Bowling Green, Kent State. So you're not going to watch those. No, I am not. Uh, so that's one I always look to. God, yeah, I, I'm trying to look down this list of like some Saturday games and, you know, I'm not, don't really totally fall in love with a lot of these, uh, the weeknight games, the one, so this is where like, we kind of have to have the conversation is just like the weeknight games. It's like for everybody at home, those are the games that we want to watch when you're watching Maction. And this is the only time of year that you watch Mac football is one, two, three, maybe four times a year is these Tuesdays and Thursdays. What does the Mac want to propose? What does the Mac want to introduce to the world versus what does it want to give back to its students and what does it want to give back to the people that want to show up to games? And this is where like usually like the frustration comes in. You get the wagon wheel the first week. That's that sucks because like that's, you know, sometimes they go to the weeknight. Sometimes it goes to Saturday. It works both ways, but like you definitely want that to be a Saturday one. Central Western already covered that. Ball State NIU. That's a fake rivalry. Ohio Akron. That's that's not really a rivalry, is that? No. No. Uh. Battle of I-75, that's clearly one of the bigger ones in the MAC. That's going to be a Tuesday game rather than a Saturday game. What If you're like, if it were up to you guys, like how would you want to balance like, you know, which of these games should be Tuesday, Wednesdays, and which of these games should be Saturday matchings? I, I think the rivalry games should be protected for weekend games. I don't really want to get into like the mechanics of like how the max schedule operates. Cause they always go back and forth. Like it's the max fault. It's the ESPN's fault, whatever. I guess I don't care. I get why they can't always do it. Um, but you have situations right now, like the central Western game will be played on a weeknight for its fourth consecutive year. If there was a way they could do the weeknight game with the longer break in between, you know, where some teams are eight or nine games between or days between games and you're doing it with your least regionally oriented opponent. Like not every team would have that opportunity, but say it's, you know, NIU and Buffalo on a weeknight and you try to get as many games like that as possible. You know, you get ball state and get, I don't know. um, Central. Sure. Ball State Central. It's, there's no there's no rivalry orient to it. Um, could be a big matchup for the conference. It's a weeknight game anyway, so it doesn't even really matter in some sense. Uh, and you give them the longer break in between. It's not every team's going to be lucky enough to get the longer break, but you maybe you orient it as much as possible. And I think that could be the the aim. And for all I know they're already trying to do that in some respect. I'd have to look a little bit closer at the schedule to see if it's like, if that's kind of the case or not, but I feel like that could be the general idea of how you construct that. I think there's, there's a, a difference between like, like a meaningful gigs. I think the Mac line is always something along the lines of like, we like having our meaningful games be played on, you know, national television. Right. Bingo. <sighs> When because you how, fucking put how, all of how them, else is anybody else going to know about it? But when you fucking put all of them, like it, you're just hedging. Mm-hmm. Like you, you put all the fucking games in November on weeknights, then you don't have to make any of the difficult decisions about who you think is going to be good. You're just putting everybody on. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. It's not really what they're saying they're doing. They're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. They're just putting it in order. I just, I just want I get to ask this, this out loud. I just want to ask this out loud. Uh, if they're not going to be played on Tuesday, Wednesday, if the Battle of I-75 is not going to be on 
you know, the screen where, like, if it's not going to be one of the few games on and it's going to be one of the few games that's going to have everyone's attention, right? If Bowling Green Toledo's going on on a Saturday and no one's there to watch it, who's going to gamble on it? Uh, you're, just, you're just trying to get me mad. I, I don't like it. No, I, I listen, I don't love the world we live in either. I'm just asking. I know. You know? I get it. I, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot, like, privately, too, that it's like, it's a pretty blatant sellout to gambling eyeballs. Sure. And I think the, the, the hard part about, like, this argument in both directions is that the Mac... <sighs> whatever the max cites as its figures for why they're doing this, they're technically not wrong. They're like, if you put just using central Western as an example, it's, if it gets on an ESPN two and the teams have good records, like if they're both bowl teams, you can probably get a million people to watch that game. I, that's a big deal. I'm not going to say it's not. You put it on ESPN plus, you're going to get the 25 to 30,000 that are in the stadium plus another 5,000 eyeballs probably. And that's not as great TV wise, but here's the thing. These rivalries are old, man. That one battle for I 75 as well. The battle of the bricks is very old, man. These games mattered to these schools and these communities and these students long before it was on TV ever back in the days when you could only watch like Texas and Michigan on TV at Notre Dame and USC, these games fucking mattered. They don't belong to everybody else. I get that you want to showcase. I get that you're going to want to put these rivalries on national TV. These rivalries are built by people, the people that play the games, people that watch them, coach them. If those people aren't there, you're not showcasing shit. All you have is a broadcaster trying to explain to people how big of a deal it is while you're doing crowd shots of fucking concrete. And no one's going to believe you. And if you do it four years in a row, as they've done with Central and Western, that's an entire graduating class of players, of like assistant coaches who have come and gone, of students, where all that institutional, like what this rivalry is about is dead. Like you can kill it that way because an incoming freshman to either of those schools, there's no one attending any of those schools right now who has had a rivalry weekend. That part sucks. That part sucks. That's how you kill this stuff. And my take with the Mac on how it is with Mac, they can say their hands are tied because it's ESPN. They can say that they're doing it to showcase or whatever. What's happening with these schedules is indistinguishable from if someone was trying to do active harm. Like, and that's when I have a problem with it because I don't think the people at the Mac are trying to do active harm, but I can't fucking tell the difference. So something has to change and it might just be the TV deal in 2026. I get all the trouble with that because you can't tell ESPN, no, we don't want to do it because then you're going to be playing on Facebook live. (laughs) And I don't think anybody wants that either. But, who, but at the end of the day, who ends up being more invested? The people that want to celebrate the Central Western weekends with Saturday games or the, the people that I talked about earlier, the gamblers that are actually going to like, put, you know, put $5, $10 into a parlay, you know, in live betting during the fourth quarters on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Who, who's going to be more invested at the end of this? Gamblers are going to do this shit anyway. Are, are like, they? There's an so if it's when the you have, only game on, if it's the only game on, the only league that's on for four weeks, and on those four days, they're going to be so much more invested in those four weeks than they are in the other eight weeks leading up to it on Saturdays. Yeah, that's fine. What I'm saying is the teams are kind of interchangeable, and at any given year, you have. You have games available to you that could but, potentially pay off. But now, the end and like, but now it does. But no, but that's that's who you're being introduced to. Like that rivalry now matters to to that the rivalry relationship. Yeah, it might be dwindling for the fans and the students, and that sucks. And I don't like that. Right, but it's starting to matter for 
millions of more people who sit at home and be like, oh, yeah, I remember my Central Western game. I won 25 bucks. Shit, yeah, I'm going to do this again. Like, that's what that is. And I, sure, I, but... I, I, no, no, no. And, and I'm not agree, I'm, I'm not saying, like, your part is, like, bad or anything. Like, that's, unfortunately, the, like, per person... How they're framing it. Beats the shit out of ticket sales. Yeah. Yep, I mean... This is kind of to my earlier point about like you can frame it that way and you're not wrong. Like you could do, you could come to the table and be like, this is the state of play here. And what I bring it back to is like, yeah, that's fine. Like my argument is more of it's, it's spiritual. And like, I think that there is, I think eventually the bottom will fall out if you strip everything of its character. You can, you can only cash in on that for so long. And eventually, there's just not going to be anything worth watching in person. Like, I'm a big believer of, Ooh. like... Until expansion. Until, until expansion. it's. I think, like, people are what makes all of it go. Like, it. this doesn't... None of this fucking works, man, if people aren't going to the games. Like, just bottom line. Right, which is which is why expansion needs to happen. Because we need to we need to feed some FCS schools into the action machine and just let them eat those games. But no, nah, man, just call back mid Tennessee State and be like, "Hey, did you realize what you did yet? Yeah, did you, you guys realize are on what week- you did yet? Yeah, you guys are gonna play on weeknights in October. Like, you can just play them in November and you can come make a little bit more money. And yeah. and on and the last point I want to make on that is like the actual value of the TV contract. I don't know what it's gonna look like when they re up it if they re up it. But right now it's something like it's like eight hundred thousand to a million bucks a school, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the number? I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm I not think it's something like that. It's, it's not nothing, but like, how many of these schools would would rather punt that eight hundred thousand dollars, or it, the decision isn't really take zero dollars or eight hundred thousand dollars. It's is there a lesser TV deal available that puts you on ESPN plus and you only get $300,000, but you get to keep your gate and you get, you get to keep those games that you love that are like part of like the soul of your school. I think a lot of these places would take it. And I think that there's a lot of talk in college football about like hard decisions that got to be made about some of these athletic departments, dude, if the $800,000 from the Mac TV deal are the only thing like keeping you afloat, we got to (laughs) talk. Because there are the schools in this conference aren't rich, but there are schools in this conference that uh, might not want to put up with that shit for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if there's there could potentially be a school in Illinois that I'm thinking of right now that uh, maybe has publicly in the past wanted out. Um, they're not going to deal with this shit for very long if the if an opportunity comes up when things start expanding. And that I think is the biggest, biggest risk here. And I talk about the bottom falling out. Dude, like if if for whatever reason there's openings in the American or something like that, somewhere down the line, and NIU and Toledo are up for it, they're not gonna stay if this is happening. Why would they? Yeah, Toledo's definitely the one I'd point to as like the ones that like could get out quickest, you know, like correct. NIU might have missed the boat unless they turn it back around, but like, and it hasn't. NIU hasn't proven that, like, infrastructurally, it, like it has what it takes to like withstand like it's it's tough times. Whereas Toledo, no. like, it's still located in Toledo. Yep. I mean, I mean, look, I think like the directional Michigans are at least uh, eastern getting there with like i know that they're making a ton of freaking upgrades and the football program itself is really good now um, which is still it'll never not be crazy um but like you can see directional michigan having interest in that too you know what i mean like if i was running either of those three schools i'd be like hey guys y'all want to like stop doing this right (laughs) like like we can keep playing each other and see if someone wants to bring us in like i don't know that's way, way off in the future. But I think like that's, there's no TV deal that's going to save you from that if these schools get sick of doing this. And like the fan bases seem clearly sick of it 
from what I've seen, like online talking to people in person, like I, people liked Maction when it was a showcase of a few games. Mm-hmm. When it's all of your November games, there's a everyone hates it. Yeah, yeah, no, it sucks. I and mean, like, you know, like we like you kind of alluded to, it's just you're you really after years of like having the like the midweek charm is kind of gone away as like big business of college football is kind of like become what it is especially with like gambling and so on and so forth right it's saturated it's yeah. like what, what the f- what and, is and the novelty like, of maction if they all do it mm-hmm. and now it's and now like, other leagues are going to play on weeknights in the early season it's not it, there's this does not end in a good place yep at first maction's cute and then like we stare at it too long and there's like so many iterations of it so many changes of it it's like oh i liked it when it was this oh i liked it was this oh i liked it was this in the end, what what is this going to lead to? We just need more teams in the MAC. Like we can't keep mm-hmm. come on, come on, man. We can't keep doing what is this on a Tuesday night? Akron at Eastern. We're only doing that. We only have Akron at Eastern on a Tuesday because we need a reason for everybody to focus on Toledo at Bowling Green on the same day. That's the only reason, and we don't. And need to make that. the schedules work, the we MAC has complained that. in the past about when they were playing fewer weeknight games. It was more difficult to make the rest of the schedule, and this was a really easy way to do it. Plus, ESPN liked it. So, like, whatever I, I said, like I fifteen that, months, like, whatever I said fifteen months ago, omit it. And uh, I actually want to call back Mid Tennessee State in Western Kentucky. Bring you guys in. Call yeah. two more. Call two more up from the FCS. I don't care who it is at this point. Actually, I kind of do. But have some more competitive balance. Inflate the weeknight games. Make them something worthwhile. Change up the revenue sharing and say, hey, most of the gambling money is going to these weeknight games. You have to play your way into Tuesday, Wednesday. Doesn't this kind of suck as a reality for you to be in? Well, guess what? Guess what? If you want to be in the MAC, deal with it. This is where all the money's at. We're going to stuff all the good games in the weeknight games. So we're going to weed out, uh, what did I say? Akron at Eastern. What's another stupid one that's going to be on weeknight? Uh, Ball State at Bowling Green. Really? What are we doing? What are we doing? That That's that's perfect. Get that out of here and put Western Kentucky, Mid-Tennessee State. That's a good rivalry game that we need down here. And like Western Kentucky, Toledo. That could be a weeknight game too. That's worth the gambling money. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the point you're making here about the dark side of it. The other side of the Maction coin is that you're also you're if you're showcasing everything, there's a lot of football in this conference I'd like to kind of hide from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't all need to be out there. There are some family members you don't have to invite to this dinner. <laughs> yeah. So if you like if you're gonna have a saturated market, oversaturate it and make it worth it. Caleb, how are you doing? Just thinking about how I would much rather see anything involving Western Kentucky or Middle Tennessee State than Akron on most days of the football season. We're very sorry to Matt Hammond specifically right now. It is what it is. Hey, I mean, if it was like, would you rather have the uh, the fine dinings of InfoCision Stadium or somewhere else, I would choose that. My name? You said fine dining. No breathing? More soup for your armpits, sir? Is that how you do your job? Uh, we're not going to talk about my, my, my day job right here. <laughs> we're not going to do that. <clears throat> More soup for your armpits? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, last, week in, last week of the season, uh, Eastern at Buffalo, Bowling Green at Western, Toledo at Central, Ohio at Akron. It, it all sucks. It's, 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 that's, that's the last week. That's the last week. Oh, I forgot about a couple Saturday games. NIU, Kent State, Miami at Ball State. That's. So those are Black Friday games, right? Yeah. Yeah. So two Tuesdays, two Black Friday, two Saturday. But it doesn't matter because none of them are good. Okay. I lied to you. The Friday games actually might be good. Toledo Central, Ohio, Akron. And you know what? That's just them saying, like, hey, I know we only have one, two, three, four weeks of weeknight inventory, and only three of them are worth it. You know what's going to happen, man? Is like it's this is going to be a, a killer max season, and all the games are going to be awesome. And then like 
we're sort of damned if we do damned if we don't if the games suck it's like well it was great exposure and here's your check and then if they're great then the mac will be like it's because of maction that all these teams are good mm-hmm. which they have said in the past by the way i think at least as early as 20 as recently as 2016 they've said that like they don't know if wmu goes to the cotton bowl if they don't have maction i was like they went to the cotton bowl because they won all their fucking games you think because they were playing in a rainstorm at Kent on election night in 2016 that that's why they went to the Cotton Bowl? It's like the dumbest thing I ever heard. We're going to phase out of scheduling. We're just going to skip. We're going to skip one bit. We I was going to talk about contracts a little bit with Kenny Burns and Lance Taylor uh, with some information pointed out in The Athletic. But you know what? Yeah, just just read just read the piece yourself. It's, it's written by Chris Benini. Uh, so go read it yourself. I'm not going to talk about it now. We're a little too late into this podcast. I do have a game that we want to play. Uh, no, I have a game that I want to play. You guys are forced to play it. Sorry, deal with it. The game has been pretty much inspired by the NCAA rules changes uh, that are going to be happening probably in college football. Sports Illustrated initially uh, tipped everybody with you know the four rules that were in play. One, no more no more consecutive timeouts, so no more icing kickers. Um, no more. Number two is no longer extending uh, a first or third quarter for an. Was it yeah? No longer extending a first or third quarter for an untimed down. Uh, doesn't really matter. Yeah, whatever. Uh, the other ones were uh, running clock after a first down, except after two minutes and a half. That's that's probably still going to happen and then the other one the fourth one uh, clock will continue after run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play uh nobody loved that one uh i thought it was okay but only in like first and third quarter i uh, probably should have wrote that in the newsletter which you know whatever two of them are gonna probably go through it's gonna be uh the game clock won't be stopped after a first down uh for the final two you know Outside of the two-minute marks, I cannot talk right now. We are getting way too late in this thing. And then the two timeouts in a row, no, 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 can't do that anymore, which I think is really stupid. Why would you give them three timeouts if they're not allowed to use them whenever they want? Just, just stupid. It doesn't matter if it's, like, a bad, like, I don't know, strategy. It's their bad strategy. Let them live with it. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rules changes that I have written down that you guys may or may not know that I am going to be introducing to you guys. We're just going to pretend that these rule changes are definitely going to happen. These rule changes are going to fix college football for the better. I mean that, I think. I don't know. I'm going to introduce one, and you guys are going to help rank them, one through eight. You guys might see this on, like, some like stupid content you might see on like TikTok or the Instagrams where you introduce an album or introduce something, let's say a movie. Let's say it's Shawshank Redemption, rank this one through five. Ooh, I'm gonna rank this number two. Okay, what's the next movie? Shrek! Oh shit, that's number one. And so on and so forth. Once you rank something, you can't re-rank it, you can't move it, you can't rank something the same number twice. Hopefully that made sense. Uh, guys, what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys think? Can't wait to get like a really stupid rule as my number two. It'll be the one that you submitted. You know what? You know what? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. It's coming. Just you wait. All right. First rule change. You guys have to rank this one. For offensive linemen. The rule is that like they can't go beyond three years, be three years, three yards beyond the line of scrimmage before they are, uh, before non-eligible receivers are flagged for uh, being ineligible downfield. We're gonna shorten that up to what the NFL standard is. It's gonna be a one-yard window. So if offensive linemen are one and a half yards downfield, that's an ineligible field. Yeah, ineligible receiver downfield. I can't talk today, but in the end, we're going to get rid of these stupid RPOs that's like ruining the game because it's it's pretty much cheating at this point. 
guys, one through eight, where does this rank on the new uh, new rules that are coming into the season? We give it a five. Hmm, Justin, if we if we if we are you gonna like average out the position uh, if we got, if you, we disagree or do we have to, to come to an agreement? Yeah, negotiate. Okay. Oh, we have to we have to haggle over this, Justin. Yeah, and I? let's figure. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, I I like where your heads at. I I fucking love this rule <laughs> so much. I, if it means I don't have to watch another RPO, I'll be so happy. <laughs> like, I'm so sick of it. Um, what what do you? You are so biased because of the offense you've had to watch. Uh, no, I mean I think just generally, like, it's not. Alex is right. It's like basically cheating. Like, remember Nick Saban used to get mad about it, and then he was like, "All right, screw it. I'm just gonna run it too and do it better." And now they do it, and it's just like I just feel like everybody has some of those packages in their playbook, and now that it's not interesting anymore, I I don't. I'm really annoyed about the whole RPO discourse because in general, either it is a rule or it's not a rule, and you enforce it or you don't enforce it, and it's not cheating if you do it and it's enforced. Right. Three yards, though. Three yards is a lot. I don't even have a problem with the let me run in five yards downfield. That's not what I prefer to do to run the dang offense. But maybe I'm not a football purist as a coach. If that's the case, how I feel about it. But you know, I I I just it's one of the things that you know I get more tired of like coaches complaining about what the RPO does than I do them actually running it. It's because you can't enforce it the way they run it. Like you mentioned, you don't have a problem with linemen going five yards downfield and like neither do referees. I think <laughs> sometimes that's probably the frustration is that like, it's one of those things that if you were throwing a flag on it, every time it happens, the game's unplayable, but all right. One thing that's really fun is uh, coaching freshman and sophomore football players and them not realizing, realizing you can't run block on a pass play. <laughs> And they've got a kid like seven yards down the field. And it's like, oh, he's still engaged. And it's like, no, he's just running that way now. He's chasing a safety. Oh, God, what's happening? Hey, man, you got to get to the second level. Uh, they took a little too literally. All right. Let's come what about four? Just... How do you feel about four? I can compromise on four. Okay. Four it is. I like it. Defensive holding. Uh, this year, they said uh, it's now an automatic first down, but we're going to get rid of that. Screw it. We don't like it. And instead of 10 yards, instead of it being a 10-yard penalty, it's only a 5-yard penalty. Uh, Justin, you submitted this. Uh, but, so, Caleb, what do you think about this? If the So, are they trying to backtrack the advantage that the offenses get as a result of this rule? I submitted it just because I don't think a five-yard penalty should be an automatic first down. Uh-huh. I think the specific verb that Jay used was like, you can have one or the other. You can make it an automatic first down, but no yardage, or keep it at five yards. Because the problem they're trying to solve is that there's a... Because isn't it just like, okay, there are things, there are infractions on passing plays that don't rise to the level of interference. It's basically like pass interference before the ball is thrown, which is less bad but they didn't want to make it a 10 yard penalty. So it's like five yards plus an automatic first down is kind of like make it somewhere less than a 15 yard penalty. Cause you can't make it as bad as pass interference, I guess is the challenge. But for me, it's like, that's too complicated. We have five yard penalties for, for minor little boo-boos. We have 10 yard penalties for things that are kind of bad, but not egregious. And then we have personal fouls. I wanted to slot this in that system for five yards. So we move it to five yards and they, can they maintain the down? Yeah, you so like yes. Yeah, if it's second and seven, and you get a defensive holding penalty, it's gonna be second and two. So it's gonna be replay the down five yard penalty, replay the down. Yeah, it'd be like offsides. Okay, I could do that. I actually like I like that. And this is like the the Super Bowl problem, right? Where like the Chiefs were on, I think it was third and seven, and it was that holding against Juju Smith Schuster. And it gave them an automatic first down, but it should have been another third, you know, but it's a five yard penalty. So like, how do you gain a first down when you only got five yards as a result of the penalty? It just seems like it doesn't make sense. So let's make it five yards and that's it. 
I guess the only thing it does that that does allow for is you know more guys are going to want to hold right off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but if if you're getting hit with it, it only takes getting hit with it twice to give up a first down, basically. I could see defenses using that as part of their playbook in the red zone in close games down the stretch. That's fine. There's so many rules that are like slanted towards the offense that like I'm okay with it. Um, I don't think this is a priority. I think it's a little bit higher than the other one. So would three make sense? Three's good with me. That's what I was gonna say. Three means we like it a lot more than the other ones. Just so I mean, I like it. I like it more than Lyman downfield one. So that's fair. That is fair. All right. Boys, check your Twitter DMs because I sent you a picture because I got creative. Um, I decided kickoff zones is going to be the thing. But we're not going to do exactly what you see in the XFL. Yes, it's XFL inspired, but it's not going to be the same thing. So close your eyes if uh, you're listening. Unless you're driving. Don't do that. Or walking your dog. Uh, Caleb, Justin, you guys can keep your eyes open. Look at the screen. I sent it to you. The kicker is going to kick from their 35 he has to get it all the way past the other team's 20. The other team's 20, there's going to be two receivers, right? You can have two guys back between their 20 and the end zone. And that's where they can kick it. The other nine guys are going to be between that 20 and the 25-yard line. The kickoff team is going to have eight guys between the 25 and 30-yard line. And then two other guys kind of acting as like safeties, kind of doing like some like Oklahoma drill looking stuff. They can line up between the 30 and midfield. And yeah, you essentially just kind of like kick it into the into uh, into the 20 uh, before anybody can move. We'll kick it into the guy's hands. He has to be able to receive it, of course. So essentially we're having kickoff zones. And is, the purpose the, of does, this... Oh, sorry, Caleb. Does the ball become live after it goes over the 20? Does the ball become live after it's caught? When the, ball the ball becomes live? live when it's caught. How do you prevent false start slash is there a whistle slash what? Can't... The, the, how do you prevent the guys in front from moving? Hmm. They can't move till the ball's received. Is that the rule? You can't cross into the, the the like the other zones until after the ball's caught. Okay. So like the dividing line essentially between the receiving team and the kicking off team is that twenty five yard line on the receiving end. Essentially, the kickoff. You know, there's going to have eleven guys on that side, eleven on that side, right? Um, but you can't leave your zones until. A receptions or uh yeah a kickoff reception's been made what's the penalty for kicking it out of bounds or not reaching the 20 if you don't reach the 20 then uh the ball uh you the other team gets the ball wherever it goes out of bounds mm. if the ball's not live why are we kicking it at all What if the other team just has the ball in hand and then they go, okay, go. As soon as I move, everyone can go. Because we love kickoffs. And okay. we like what the XFL is doing, so we have to do something that kind of looks like that. That's a good enough reason for me. I like changing kickoffs because I do like the element of taking some of the uh, ridiculous hits out of the equation. Um, I do like the XFL's version of it. Uh Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot of a lot of particular steps. I, I mean, I don't hate it, but it, I wouldn't prioritize it. Is that how you're feeling? Yes. So, like eight. Oh, well, no, eight is the max. I, eight's, eight's I have like, like I got, eight, eight is bad in my eight, head. Eight is bad. I have ten in my head because I'm a I'm a primate. Um, so so, so it's six, six seven. Yeah. Six. Six. I think six. Okay. Six it is. 
the running clock moves moves the running clock rules we're already going to make an amendment on that uh which the game clock won't be stopped after first down except for right now it says the final two minutes i don't like that i don't like that instead of that we're only gonna acknowledge this running clock stuff in the first and third quarters so after a first down we're gonna have a running clock for offenses in the first and third quarter but in the second and fourth quarter, we're going to keep it traditional. For the purpose of running the clock down. The whole quarter or just the last two minutes, you're saying? Like, we only do the, the stop no, in the last two minutes. The, thing ignore, the... No, we're not even going to acknowledge two minutes ever being in there. That's taken out of the okay. rule completely. Essentially, we're going to try to speed this game up, but only in the first and third quarters when there's like a lot less drama going on. But in the second and fourth quarter, when like, hey, those aforementioned gamblers are like, you know, trying to play some like, hey, what, you know, what are, what are they going to do before halftime? What are they going to do before the game? This is when people get like a little bit more like, you know, a little more, more live actions going into these games. Then we're going to have some more stoppages after the first downs. And make it a little bit more the traditional college football that we all know and love. And so old fuddy-duddies like us in our youthful 30s, <laughs> Caleb, you'll get there. Uh, we, we can be happy for a little bit. But running clock in the first and third quarter, and yeah, whatever. Hmm. What do you think, Caleb? I'm pretty apathetic about this one. I can be swayed either way. Same. So five? <laughs> <laughs> do we have five available? Yes, you do. Let's go with it. So right. let's let's uh, a little halftime update. Um, one and two are still open. Seven and eight are still open. I think that's good. All right. We've been so non-committal. We just kept <clears throat> the worst two and top two available. <laughs> Three, four, five, six, maybe. It's a foolproof plan. Exactly. Because we're still waiting on the Shrek of rule changes. Overtime. So the best best rule change is what you're saying. Correct. Overtime rules. Uh, Caleb, you submitted this one. The possessions are going to begin on the 50-yard line. Now, what what did you have in your head for this one? Was it just like the way that, you know, instead of, you know, the ball being spotted on the, you know, on the 25, it's going to be on the 50 then? Yeah, um, so the ball would start on the 50. The entire premise of overtime as it relates to college football right now is more like, let's see who can score more points, and some people might like that. But why? I guess I get why. My my thing is I don't like that it's just predicated on, let's just have a shootout so you can throw the ball into the end zone more sometimes is what it feels like. Um, I would rather start at the 50, Still have, still have relatively the same rules in the overtime and just do, you know, one team gets possession, the other team gets possession. You got to match it for the first three. I really like this rule because the overtime would still resemble football. Um, and it's challenging enough that like you're not automatically in range for a kicker. Right. That's kind of the and, other part of it. That's the other aspect of it I was thinking really was you're not close enough that a kick is immediately available. You have to get something done. You have to accomplish something in overtime to get to a kick. Right. Position. And defenses aren't like totally backs against the wall, so like they can afford to get a little aggressive too. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. And then you can just play it with the regular overtime rules. And it would probably take the same amount of time because you're less likely to score. Because I don't know what like the expected value is with possession for the 50. It's still really good, but it's not a guaranteed score. It's at the 50. It looks cool, too. Yeah, it's true. Start the game out on the logo. Where, like, all the footprints are at. <laughs> right. Well, if, it, if they play on grass, damn it. Right. Fuck. That's how old I am. I still remember when games were playing on grass. I still watch LSU. All right. So it sounds like you guys are either putting this at number one or number two. 
Justin, do we think uh, do we think a better one's coming or not? I think even if a better one does come, I'm fine with putting that at two. But I really like this because I, I I don't like the new overtime where like they get into that two point shootout. So anything that changes that, I'm I'm good. We can put this number one. It's almost playing it safe by putting it number one. Number one, it is. Let's do it. This is one that I've read once, and ever since, like, as soon as I read the headline, I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, from Ryan Nanny on Banner Society, and I'm, I don't have the post up, unfortunately. I, I, I should just give it that treatment. But no, I'm just going to tell you exactly what it is. Every time you punt, you lose a point. <laughs> Whose idea was this yours? No, this is Ryan Nanny. Ryan Nanny. Yeah. That does sound up his alley. <laughs> I think this was the same like article series that they proposed. Um, they were talking about the fumble out of the end zone rule, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like saying the touchback is dumb. It should be um, or like it shouldn't be a turnover. You should just get the ball back where you fumbled it like anywhere else. And then they were like, or <laughs> for maximum chaos, Fumbling the ball out of bounds will always be a turnover, no matter where you are on the field. So everything is chaos, which I like. Um, while funny, I don't want to take points away for punting. That's exactly how I feel. There's not enough. Yeah, why are we not having any conflict? Um, it feels like making just like choosing to make a decision and punishing that in some aspect. I guess the point would be to encourage more going for it, but the analytics would still tell you to punt it anyway. So, except if you're yeah, like, you're in a tie a game, point. you're in a tie game, or you're up by one, like the like the, otherwise the analytics are going to tell you to punt anyway in a lot of situations. Yeah, like if you're at your own ten, but I guess like there is a conversation about like like punting and losing a point is probably still a better expected value than going from it for it for like if you're like fourth and 10 from your own 10 you're probably yeah you would definitely still punt because like going for it the the other team would be expected to score like three points or whatever so i appreciate the i appreciate the comedy of the the rule suggestion but I, i i don't think it's i don't think i'd want it it would basically eliminate punting between the 40s altogether like from a math standpoint probably maybe even the 30 well i mean unless you're iowa you're not punting on the opposing 35 but like some people would like basically to. basically like from your own 35 out you're probably not punting how did iowa win negative one to negative three <laughs> right yeah it does introduce the concept of negative points although well, it would both, be funny well, both if teams like, three times and iowa had a safety it would be funny if you could only lose points if you had points to lose. So, like, teams that are, like, getting shut out could just punt the shit out of it yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody can go below zero. Yeah. I, I don't think that could ever exist. All right, so it sounds like you guys are either sliding this at seven or eight. It hmm. sounds like I, I put eight. it at eight, uh, even though I think it is very funny. I see. Yeah, I agree. Let's do eight. P-A-T kicks. What in the world are we going to do with these things? Here's what I say. Every time your kicker makes one, their next P-A-T kick kick is five yards further back than the last one. Oh, Buffalo's fucked. Okay, does it carry over into a new game or no? No. no. Obviously, <laughs> oh, it's so fresh. Damn, he hit a 50-yard <laughs> extra point. It's time the next game he got to start at a 55-yard extra point. <laughs> hey, listen, son, we play Toledo next week. You need to sh- kick this into the sidelines. <laughs> We're already up 20. We don't we don't need it. <laughs> Well, coach, why why wouldn't we just go for it? Nope, this is we need you to miss it. <laughs> Carries over. <laughs> the last thing Buffalo wants is to to play Ohio before it plays Toledo. <laughs> 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 
Okay, I don't think, t- I don't think 10 people will get that joke. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, the first PAT kick is uh, was pretty easy. Let's just, you know, push it five five yards back. Make, make like, I don't know, make, like, just PATs a little bit more fun. You know? Make, like, make these lines, like, a little bit more fun. Do we think we're going to get a worse one? So we just have two and seven left, right? Yes. Are you are you feeling like a gambling man, Caleb? Oh boy. Um, it's like we put this at seven, and then we're whatever comes next basically gets implemented. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, hold on now. Wait a minute. <laughs> hold on a minute. <laughs> Uh, I don't hate the idea of it just for this. It's another funny one. Ah, fuck it. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do two. All right. I love you guys so much for that. <laughs> so what did I save for the end? Oh, home team advantage. The home team will always decide which team receives the opening kick of the game and which team, uh, and, and vice versa for the second half. So obviously if you have the opening kick of the game, then the other team gets the second half kickoff. But the home team will always decide, you know, what that pair is. There is no more coin flip. The home team decides. I guess that's fine. Yeah, I don't have any issue with well, that. I mean, you have, you have, you have no choice but no to, choice to, to put it at seven that's that, that was your seventh favorite that was already decided for you by you guys you guys decided that so we decided it's not gonna happen okay but what do you think about it being your seventh favorite um nothing really changes all that materially right no the five and the six were kind of apathetic choices as well so so your guys is Top eight favorite rule changes, what which will actually happen and will actually improve college football, I think. I don't know. Number one, overtimes will begin on the 50-yard line. Absolutely. Hell yeah. PAT kicks. Number two, add some excitement by pushing them back five yards with each successful try. But if they miss one, obviously they have to keep retrying from the same one. God, it sucked to really be the, the guy that just keeps missing it. Defensive holding, number three, uh, no more first down and five-yard penalty instead and everything else that Justin said earlier. I'm not changing it, what I said on the first sheet. Uh, number four, offensive linemen are held to the one-yard window, and we're kind of getting rid of the RPO. Number five, running clock is really just in the first and the third quarter. Number six, kickoff zones, my stupid idea, which no one will care for. Number seven, the home team is the coin flip winner all the time. And number eight, uh, you punt, you lose a point. Banana, fuck. Banana, fuck. Yeah. Okay, I like, I want one addendum to the coin flip rule, though. (laughs) The home team always wins, but they still have to flip the coin. And make the other team call it. And then no matter what it is, they go, sorry. (laughs) Home team wins the toss. Nana Nana Boo Boo. <laughs> the call is Tails. It's Tails. The home team picks. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I'm taller, I win, you're shorter, you lose. Yeah, but I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I'm older, I win, you're younger, you lose. Can I share a rejected submission for the rule changes? Please. All right, the one I had on here is that the concept of an honor punt, where once per game, each team gets to call honor punt, which you can punt, and the other team is not allowed to return it. It must be played where it lies. Cannot return it for any yards. They may still attempt to block the punt. But wherever they kick it, that's where you get the ball when it stops. 
You're such a dandy. Once per game. You, you want to incorporate golf into football at any means. The honor point. Uh, so one addendum to that to make it even funnier is that if instead of one per team, it's one honor punt per game, and whichever team calls it first wins. So like some coaches could be like, we need to get this out of the way now. Or you'd like, you could save it in like a game of chicken through the end of the game. You're like, hey man, I'm backed up against my own 10. I got to call this right now. And then you just give it the boot. But the risk is that the other team knows it's an honor punt, so they can bring all 11 guys to come try and block it. So you're going to have a free free man, mm. which reduces the effectiveness, right? You have one more hat to try to block. You're probably not going to put your returner, the guy who would usually return on the block, the punt personnel, you're probably putting in like 11 dudes that can go and try to block that thing. So once per game, honor punt. And then another one that I didn't submit to you, Alex, that I, that I thought of today was you know how coaches, uh, if you challenge a play and you have timeouts, you lose the timeout if you lose the challenge mm-hmm. and then you don't get the challenge again? I think coaches should be allowed to challenge as many times as they want, but the penalties for getting consecutive challenges wrong gets progressively worse. Like if you get two challenges wrong, you are ejected from the game. <laughs> uh, if you get three, if your replacement challenges, after you're ejected for the second one and they get it wrong a third straight time, uh, then the other team can pick uh, one player from your team that like can't play for like a multiple series. If you get four in a row wrong, your um, quarterback has to play nose tackle for a series. Oh, what, is, what is going on in your Jesus brain? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I have no idea, but like you kind of hinted at something that I absolutely should have slid into uh, the rule changes that absolutely will be put into college football to fix the game. We absolutely should have a penalty box. Hey, that's that's two holds in a row. You, corner, sit in the penalty box for one play. Then what do you do when it's 10 on 11? For real. You actually have to, like, schedule for that. Some 10 on 10 offenses, 9 on 10. Oh, my God. That would be cool. I w- I've always wanted to see a penalty box in football. Should have done that. Football power plays. 